Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, hi everyone. It's so good to be bringing the Word of God to you today. And uh, I want to say a big hello and send our love from all the pastors from GGC Life to all the members uh, that are watching, wherever you're watching uh, right now at home or wherever you are in the world. Uh, we're going to share the Word of God. I've got something burning in my heart. I want to do my best to, to uh, you know, reveal the heart of God in this because God wants us to grow, mature in these hard times. And the things that we face in the world, this um, coronavirus uh, pandemic from, the, from all, pretty much around the world that's happening, it's not just in Australia, it's uh, in the eyes of God, I think this is just one, one small thing. Like we, uh, we might think oh, it's, it's a big thing, you know, but you can imagine the things that are going to happen. The, this is just the beginning of the last days. So we need to be ready. We need to be strong. We need to have our hearts founded in the Word of God and our roots grounded in the Word of God. So um, I want to talk about Psalms 23. It's a very powerful psalm, but something that's, that's really, really, I want to take out of this psalm. It's about having a relationship with God, obviously. And we read in Psalms 23, very, very famous psalm. Many, most people read this when someone dies in a funeral. But, you know, it's something that we can live our life and, and bank our, our world on, bank everything on it, our, our complete trust in God. It starts with, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And it says, I shall not want when, when you think about, when I look up the words in the original uh, Hebrew, it literally is Jehovah, Yahweh, Yahweh, and uh, uh, shepherd. It says, Jehovah, the Lord God Almighty, shepherd. Think about that. This is the God of the universe. This is the one who spoke everything to existence. This is the one who sits on his throne and he's a beautiful heavenly father and he loves you dearly with an everlasting love. And this is the Lord God is your shepherd and because he's your shepherd because he's my shepherd it says i shall not want now do you believe the word of god do you believe this is I'm, i've got to preach i can only preach the word of god we can only preach the word and I, I believe the ideal because the word is ideal the word is god's blueprint for our life so basically what this is telling me is when you allow, this is the key word, when you allow the Lord to be your shepherd, you and I will have no want. The word want means to lack. So when you allow the Lord God to, to be your complete shepherd, when you surrender your life completely to the Lord's guidance, providence, you have no lack. It means by implication, you, you won't fail. There won't be any failure. There won't be any want. There won't, it won't, your life won't be lessened, abated, bereaved, decreased. To make over or want. It means to be in lack or want because God meets all your needs. When I think about the great shepherd, if the Lord God is our shepherd, when I think about the shepherd, the shepherd's job is to provide for the sheep, to protect the sheep. To feed and lead. So think about pr protect, provide, feed and lead. They're four main things that a shepherd does. A shepherd, Jesus says he is the great shepherd of the sheep. And he goes, I lay down my life for the sheep. Because he's the shepherd, he loves us so much that he would lay down his life. And a hyling, he goes, 
a hireling would come, but he doesn't lay down his life. He only does it for the, the money. Jesus does it out of love, so he's willing as a shepherd. If a wolf comes, and he actually says in John chapter 10, it talks about this beautiful picture of the shepherd and the sheep and the relationship. And when this beautiful relationship between the shepherd and the sheep, there's always a thief. Jesus brings in, in this scenario, in this story, in this, this amazing story of God and man, there is a thief. And he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Even Psalms, when you read it, it talks about him being our shepherd, but then it talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. So there is an enemy out there. And it, that's why it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you have any wants, if I have any wants, if I have any lack, if anything in my life, that means I haven't allowed myself to, to, for the shepherd to be my shepherd. This does not happen automatically. You and I, through our will and our surrendered will and activated through faith, we allow God to be our shepherd. God doesn't just force his shepherding heart over people. You need to allow him to be your shepherd. That's the key. When I think about, well, how do we allow the Lord God to be our shepherd? It's through trust and simple childlike faith. Trusting him as your shepherd, to actually trust. If I have any areas of lack or any areas of um, want, if you have any areas of lack, think of your life. Anytime that you have a lack, you, a lot of times we want to meet our own need. That means that's to the degree that I don't allow God to be my shepherd. If you have any addictions in your life, you are meeting that particular need of your life with your own ability, your own strength. So we actually not, don't have a revelation of the Lord can provide for us. The Lord can meet our needs in a way we don't have any want. We don't have any lack. I believe this. I believe this all my heart. I think about, uh, you know, the trust issue. Because we've gone through this coronavirus and a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people maybe got their jobs or their hours axed. And, and maybe if you ran a business, you had to shut down for two or three months. And we might be coming through it right now, but people are still doing it tough. And so when the Lord's your shepherd, you can still go to sleep in that hard time. It's like you're walking through that valley of the shadow of death. You're facing all these issues. But hang on a sec, Lord, you're my provider. We had to close the doors of the building. Because it's only a building. The church kept growing and doing all that's called to do because the people are the church. But the reality is we, would have, we haven't met in this physical building for about 10 weeks. We still have bills to pay. We still have expenses to pay. We still got wages to pay. But the Lord God is our shepherd. You know what? I didn't lose any sleep over it. I didn't, didn't worry, not, not even one ounce. Why? Because I trust Him. Now, I've seen Him come through in my life time and time again. Why wouldn't He not take care of me now? It is like Jesus likened us as children to a heavenly father many, many times in the word of God. And I think about my own children. I've got kids that are growing up, but my youngest is 13. And I've got a, a second one at home that's uh, 15, turning 16 really, really soon. And then we've got Ethan still at home. And he's 20, turning 21. Now, they're a bit older, but you know what? I thought to myself, I'm pretty sure that through this crisis, pandemic where people lose, lost their jobs and, 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 the, and the economy has taken a hit in Australia and in the nations of the world. I'm pretty sure my kids didn't worry, not in one bit. I can ask them, but I'm pretty sure they still believed and trusted that their dad and their mom, somehow there'll be food in the fridge. Somehow the bills are still paid. I'm sure they didn't wake up at night and go, I wonder if the bills don't get paid and electricity gets turned off and the internet gets turned off. And what happens if there's no food? And what happens if we can't pay the mortgage and we lose the house? And I'm sure as kids, 
What is that? That's childlike faith. And I'm telling you, that type of faith is an unconscious faith. Faith is so real that it's, you don't even know you've got it. You just trust. You just trust in God. You don't have to try to put your faith on. I've got to try. I've got to try. So how do, I, how do I trust the Lord? I've got to know His promises. I've got to know His Word. If I don't know His Word, I'll never know His character. I'll never know, is He trustworthy? If I haven't trusted Him with the little things when I first became a Christian many, many years ago, I wouldn't know that He's faithful. So you start out of relationship. It's a relationship with the Lord. But this relationship with the Lord is, is so vital because I believe with all my heart, the Lord is our shepherd, I shall not want. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. That, make, that word make is not there in the original. It, it literally means um, like a, an animal that crouches down on all four to be able to rest. It's a picture of rest and having pasture. That means grass as much as you can eat. Now, if you're a sheep and you've got fresh green pasture as much as you can eat, you're like in heaven. You've got everything you ever would want. And you eat your green grass. And when that's over, it's the shepherd's responsibility to move you to other fresh pasture. It's a picture of fully trusting. That sheep does not think, what happens if the shepherd doesn't know where to go? What happens if the shepherd doesn't know that this grass is running out and we're going we're gonna to starve? A shepherd just fully trusts. It's this picture again of complete trust that the Lord knows how to make us lie down in the fresh pasture. Fresh pasture speaks of uh, prosperity. It speaks of having all your needs met. And that means fresh pasture in your family, in your marriage, in your raising up your children, in your business, in your relationships, in your endeavors, in your entrepreneurship. If you run a business, any area of your life, God says, I bring you to fresh pasture. I believe God's concerned about every area, not just I'll, I'll make you prosperous in this area, but then you, 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 you destroy your life in another area. God wants you to bring you and I into fresh pasture in every area of our life because He's the Lord, our shepherd, and we shall not want. I can have one area of my life really successful and have my finances can hardly pay my bills. Or have really a lot of money and have, have my finances all taken care of and there's fresh pasture there, but my children, I've lost my kids to... Uh, to uh, a drug addict or to, to becoming, you know, depressed. God wants fresh pasture in every area. And I believe it's connected to our relationship with God and completely trusting Him. It says, He, he leads me beside still waters. Again, this beautiful picture as a sheep, it's this serene picture of lots of lots of water. And I think, I think the, move, the water's moving, but it's, it's slowly moving. But it's because it's fresh and it's beautiful. It's serene. It's peaceful. And the sheep can drink as much as he needs, as much as they want. It's this beautiful picture again. The shepherd is taking care of the sheep's needs. Because we feed on the Word. Now, obviously, that fresh pasture starts with revelation knowledge. It starts with knowing the Father, knowing His promises, knowing His Word. I've got to know Him. I, I, I want to talk a lot about faith because I know the Lord does His side of it. He is the great shepherd. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's great and magnificent and all-powerful. But yet, if we don't allow Him to be our, our, our shepherd, and the way we allow Him is through trust, and because we surrender, we actually surrender our life and trust Him in every area of His Word. When He speaks something to us, how do I trust Him? When He says something, be careful for nothing, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If God says for me, don't worry about anything, I'm going to exercise my faith not to worry. 
if God says, be, uh, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. If he says that to me, I'm going to do my absolute best with all the revelation that I have, with all the faith that I have. God, I'm getting some cares. I'm getting some worries. I'm going to cast them over to you because that's what you told me to do. I don't do that every now and then. I have to do it all the time. If God says to me, forgive others as I have forgiven you. That means when people hurt me, backstab me, betray me, I make a decision all the days of my life. Well, constantly, I, pro- I, pro- I trust his promise. You said that I should forgive like you forgave me. You forgave me freely. I forgive others freely. I give it away before they deserve it, before they even ask for forgiveness, before they say sorry. I release forgiveness. Why? I believe His promises. This is, this is what it means to let go and trust. When you fully trust Him, I really believe with all my heart, all our wants are taken care of. If you've got wants, if you've got desires, and, and you know, you've got stuff in your life, and you're trying to meet your own strength, then you, you don't. You're not allowing the Lord to be your shepherd in that area. He wants to shepherd every area of your life. Fresh pasture speaks of revelation. Yes, revelation. We're eating food. It speaks of feeding yourself the Word of God and then drinking the water. I believe water, it sustains, it sustains you. Water gives life to you. So obviously, that speaks of encountering the one who is life encountering God, not just head knowledge, but experiencing Him, actually experiencing the presence of God, experiencing the love of God and letting Him touch you in every area of your life, drinking the river of life that flows from that throne, that's connection with God. Because of these two things, it says He restores my soul. So how, do, how is our soul restored? That speaks of our mind, our will, our emotions. God wants to take care of every part of our life. He restores because I'm drinking and I'm feeding. Because I'm allowing Him to be my shepherd and He's taken me to the green pastures and I'm eating as much as I need. If I don't allow Him to do that, then I'll lack. If I don't allow Him. The key is allowing the Lord to be your shepherd. And you allow through trust and faith. Now, Jesus, when He was here on the earth... He speaks of this powerful truth that most of us miss, I think. Verse 25, it says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Now, if God says, look at the birds of the air, I hope you did the Word of God and practiced the Word and actually looked at the birds for a moment. Actually, look at them and think, okay, well, God said, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap. They're not grabbing seed to plant in the ground and expecting a harvest. They're not relying on anything, and they're they're not uh, gathering into barns. They're not reaping a harvest, putting the barns. I got that stored up. I'll eat that later. They're fully flying around, just looking for food. And it says this, yet your heavenly Father, the key word is Father, let your heavenly Father feeds them. Okay, the Father loves the birds thinks about them and makes sure there's food in the planet, enough for the birds to survive. Birds don't drop out of the sky because they've got food everywhere. They eat. Are you not more, this is the key, are you not more value than they? Trusting the Father has more to do with the way you value yourself. Am I valuable to God? If you and I, have a revelation. I am valuable. I am so precious. You're so precious. You're so special, so valuable to God that He sent His only Son to die on the cross for your sins. God the Father sent His Son, dies on the cross because you are so valuable, because you are so special. You are so precious. You are a treasure on this earth. Without God, He wanted you back to Himself. So He sends His Son, dies on the, the, the cruel death on the cross, becomes sin. 
so that we can put our faith in Him. I just want you to know how valuable you are. I really believe with, this all, with all my heart. If you're the only person left on the planet, God still would have d- become a man, be born of a virgin birth, live a th- perfect life for 33 years, die on that cruel death, on that cross, become sin, die three days and a half, be raised from the dead just to give you the chance to be forgiven. You are valuable. When you see that you're, you're valuable, most people, their insecurities comes from their lack of value that they see about themselves. Oh, God wouldn't do that for me. And if God does something for them, so, oh, I remember the first time, not just, you know, many, many times that God has done something for me. So many times that the Lord has been my shepherd and provided for me. I've, I've been walking with him for many, many years. So I've seen his hand. I've seen and many, many times it does something deep inside. Like, God, you did that for me. God, you thought about me, little old Leo. Because in the past, I thought, oh, who am I? I'm not that valuable. Because you know? I, I had insecurities. But when God does miracle after miracle, provision after provision, and He provides for you, God, you thought about me enough to bring that provision that, that I needed. Only that can change you. Jesus is saying, you're way more valuable than birds, and God takes care of birds. Look at this, verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They never toil nor spin. Again, they don't do anything to make clothes. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I mean, he's given us a really powerful picture here. Solomon was the wealthiest rich, wealthiest king ever lived on the planet at that point. And, and he was clothed. I mean, queens would visit him and, and couldn't believe how they clothed their servants. So he had magnificent clothing. He's full of revelation and glory of, of the clothing that they used. And he says, these flowers are clothed better than, than the glory of all of the glory of Solomon. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is here and tomorrow it's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? This is the key again. Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. In other words, God doesn't clothe you if you don't have faith. God won't provide your need if you don't have faith. God won't be your shepherd if you don't have faith. If you don't have faith, it's that childlike trust. And a child doesn't wake up in the morning and think, I hope my bills are paid today. I hope the bills are paid today. I hope the electricity stays on today. I hope there's food in the fridge today. Oh, oh, oh no, the coronavirus. My parents might lose their job. Oh, no, they might not make money. Oh, no. Kids, just unconscious faith. It's called trust. God's calling His children to childlike faith in the Father, in the Father's provision. It says this, therefore do not worry saying what you shall eat, what, we, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? I mean, what great example in the coronavirus crisis that people are running to the supermarket and stocking and, and all that sort of and fighting over things. We, we always had enough food. Imagine if we didn't have enough food, how we would behave. For after all these things, the, the Gentiles seek, people that don't have a relationship with God, listen to this, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Again, the key is your father knows you need it. I'm talking about this father and child relationship, this complete trust. When I was growing up as a kid, I never thought, I wonder if my dad would lose their job and what happens if he can't pay the bill? You just trust. And that's, I believe the father's calling that from his children, from the church of his, of his beloved children. He's saying, just trust me like a father. The Lord God Almighty is my shepherd. He'll fight for me. He'll provide for me. We don't have to fear anything. You know, in fact, the greatest fear, the greatest enemy is death. And the Bible says we don't have to fear death. Paul the apostle looked forward to dying. 
He said, if I die, it will be my gain because I'll get rewards in heaven. But for your sake, I'll stay. He wasn't even afraid of dying. Imagine what it would be like when the bride don't love their life even to the point of death. They're just not even afraid. That's in the book of Revelations. The reason why they were overcomers is they did not love their life to the death. So I believe with all my heart that when we trust God completely, He starts providing all our needs. Now the key to this, we're reading Jesus is saying to his children, you've got to have faith. You've got to realize that you're valued, value, valued before God. Because you're valuable and you have faith in the God who calls you his precious child, realize he'll take care of your needs. But my question is this, there are many, 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 many people in the world that this doesn't happen to. In other words, they're starving. There's people that are starving to death. There's millions that have starved to the death to death for many, many, many years. Now, does that mean God doesn't love them? Yes, He loves them. But He, he, he acts through faith. In other words, God's not moved by our need, but He's moved by our faith. And that's true of the church. You might go, oh, that's just the unbelievers. No, I'm talking about the church too. If the church, His bride, don't have a revelation of who He is and His provision and His greatness and His love, and we don't exercise our faith, we don't trust Him, then God, in His sovereignty, I believe, He says, trust me, believe me, because I will take care of it. And our will ties him up if we don't know him, don't have a revelation of his goodness, don't, revela- don't have a revelation that he can take care of our needs, and we take things in our own strength, and we run our life in our own ability. If God moved, was moved by needs, all you have to do is send some cameras, go to all the poor countries in the world, and watch God move, because there's poor people everywhere. There's sick people everywhere. There's, there's needy people everywhere, vulnerable people everywhere, and God would just move everywhere there was needs. But we know that God is moved upon faith. What moves God to action is faith. Why is this true? Because God gave you and I a free will. That free will is connected to so much. We have to invite God through surrender and say, God, I believe in you and I surrender my life and I let you into my heart. I let you into my world. I allow you to be in relationship with me. That's the key. I believe that with all my heart. I'm telling you, I know that God only moves through faith because I can cry out to God in my emotion, in my sympathy, and if I don't have faith, nothing happens. But I can have a rest in my heart and just trust God will take care of it, and He acts. Why? That's relationship. That's knowing your Father. That's trusting your Father. You know, in um, Numbers chapter 13 is a, a powerful story of God taking the children of Israel out of Egypt. There's probably about two to three million Israelites of all their children, all their families, and 10 plagues took place, a miracle after miracle after miracle. Then, then they were stuck with the Red Sea, and then God splits the Red Sea, another great miracle. And when they got through the Red Sea and the armies of Egypt, Egyptians were drowned, they celebrated. The Bible says they sang songs and got out the timbrels and they worshipped God, and it was a great celebration. And God promised them, this is God's promise, <coughs> that you would go into the promised land. And that promised land is a land flowing with milk and honey. That's God's word. It actually says, I want to I read it to you here. It says here, But your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they, know, and they shall know that the Lord, the land which you have despised, they shall know it. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. Basically, I read the wrong scripture. <laughs> it was just after it. I'll read it verse 30 and then that still makes sense. 
Except for Caleb, the son of Jehephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would, I swore I would make you dwell in. God swore I would make you dwell in it. But then after that, he says, except for Joshua and Caleb, none of you are going to go in. All your carcasses are going to die and you're not going to make it. Now, the story behind that is Moses tells 12 of the leaders of all the tribes. God says, call all the leaders of the tribes, go into the promised land and have a look at it. Have a spy. Spy it out. Check it out. See if the the land is good. See if it does flow with milk and honey. See if the, there are giants there. See if the cities are walled or not walled. See if they if they live in camps or are they living in cities. See if they got um, fruit or not, at mountains or valleys. Just have a look at the whole land and check it all out. Scope it all out, because God gave them this promise. He gave them this promise. I swore that I would make you dwell in it. So this is God's word. This is God Jehovah, His promise and His word that you will go into the promised land. 12 of them went in, and if you know the story, 10 of them came back. It's, it's, we're going we're to lose a lot of time if we go to each one of them. Joshua and Caleb, they were, they were, they were the only ones that had a good, good faith report. The 10 started saying, oh, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's really great, but we saw the giants there, the descendants of Anak there, and we cannot do it. Like if, when you read it, it's completely different contexts one says yes we can do it and the other one goes no we cannot do it they were too afraid to go ahead and do what God's called them to do literally fear gripped their hearts because they looked at the giants they looked at the walled cities and they said to themselves we cannot do it they were moved by what they saw but only Joshua and Caleb the Bible says of them they had a different spirit the word the word Different means another kind of spirit, a different spirit from the others. They were moved by what they saw. And you know what? They, they actually said what they saw. But the problem is God said to them, because you did not believe me. I did these great miracles. I did signs and wonders in Egypt. This is the same people that saw the hand of God in Egypt. They saw the Red Sea open up. They should have said, yes, they're giants, but our God is greater. That's what Joshua and Caleb did. So what the point is, the 10 didn't have faith. They walked in fear. And because their leadership, this is leaders, very important as leaders, what we say and what we do. Because as leaders, they influenced the people and all the people got negative and they started weeping and crying that night. Why? Because they got a, a negative report. And that negative report was actually reporting what they saw in the natural world. Remember that. In reality, you might go, that's not negative. They're just repeating what they saw. But they left out the God factor. They left out the fact that God is with them. And God just did great miracles in Egypt and brought them all out of slavery. And now they're reporting that we can't do it. It's impossible to take this land. We're going to get killed. We're going to die. We might as well go back. They actually said, let's raise up leaders. Let's go back to Egypt. And they motivated all the people to weep, cry, be negative. And the Bible, Bible says, God said, well, because what you said. Let me read it here. How long shall I bear with this evil generation? Complain, they complain who complain against me. This is in chapter 14 of Numbers, verse 27. I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, he's talking to Moses, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have 
spoken in my hearing, just like you spoke in my hearing, so I will do to you. God's saying, what you said would happen, that's what I'm going to do to you. Because you, your perspective was different. Joshua and Caleb go, no, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. And yes, we can take it. We are well able to take it. Their perspective was completely different. They saw a God factor, but the other 10 go, we can't do it. And because they said, no, we can't do it, and we're all going to die, and all our carcasses are going to die, and we're not going to make it, let's go back to Egypt. God says, because you said that, that's what will happen. Now, what I'm picking up in the Spirit for the church, we need to operate in a spirit of faith like never before. And the spirit of this world can't grip the church, I'm telling you. Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by what you hear in the media. There's a spirit of this world that I'm telling you is motivated out of the spirit of fear. We can't afford to be influenced by fear, but we need to have this faith that it can only come out of relationship with God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God's going to take care of us. I don't know how, but He's going to take care of us. Are there giants? Yes, there's giants. Do we need to fight? Yes, we fight. But we've got on our side. God's releasing magnificent, powerful, warring angels from heaven that weren't released before, but I believe are, are, have been waiting for these last days. So how, how are you going to be? How, are you going to, how am I going to be? If we could see in the spirit realm and we go, wow, there's millions of angels that have been released worldwide now that we didn't have before. Greater, as Elijah saw in the spirit, there were, there were chariots of the army, the enemy. We're all there up on the hills, taking, wanted to take Elijah and his servant. And the servant goes, look, alas, Elijah, look what's happening. We're going to be gone. Again, what he could see, only the physical army. And Elijah says, no, there's more with us than there is with them. He had eyes of faith. He saw into God, what God was seeing. And he says, Lord, open up his eyes. And the servant's eyes got open and he could see chariots of fires of angels. So we can't be intimidated by what we see in the natural. We can't be moved by what we see in the natural. And actually that becomes our only world. Yes, we know what's real, but we've got a God that's far more real in this physical world. I believe that with all my heart, you see the valley of Jehoshaphat in, um, when the Lord sorry, took Ezekiel into the valley of dry bones. Not Jehoshaphat. The Lord took Ezekiel to the valley of dry bones and he saw these bones that were scattered all over the place. And they were far apart. They were dead. They were dry. They had no flesh on it. They had no sinew on it. had nothing on them. Dry, dead bones. And actually, we know later that there was, it was an army full of them. There wasn't only a small, you know, bits of bones. We're talking about army. And the Lord God. Now, we know the Lord God knows about those bones. We know that the Lord knows that they can live. But the Lord asked this powerful question to, to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, can these bones live? The question God's asking the church, can revival happen? Can there be awakening? Can we see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? And the church has to say, yes, we believe you can. Now, if we're a praying church, a church that's connected to God through relationship and in love with Him, then we'll respond with that childlike faith. And we know, God, we know you can do it. We might never have seen it before in the nation of Australia. We actually never had a nationwide revival in Australia. Not like so many countries in the world, but we're due for one. It's been prophesied that Australia is going to be awakened and there'll be a, a great last outpouring coming out of Australia. There'll be a great outpouring from the islands of the world. And Australia is the largest island in the world. God has poised Australia to be awakened to the love of Jesus. But we have to have eyes of faith. 
and, 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 and again, because we're in love with him, that, that the Lord is my shepherd. I know him because I allow him to be my shepherd. And my encouragement to us is what areas in your life that you need to allow him to be your shepherd? If you've still got addiction and you're bound by sin, that means in that area you haven't allowed him to intimately come into your life and set you free in that area. And let him speak revelation. Let him speak into your heart. Set you free in that area. Because God is our shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. God is a good God. So God is saying to Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? And he says, yes, Lord, uh, uh, you, you know if they can live. The next thing God says to Ezekiel says, prophesy to the bones. So Ezekiel was called by God and, and led by God to prophesy. Why is God asking Ezekiel to prophesy? Why didn't just God say the word and prophesy? Because he's in covenant with man. He's in relationship with man. God doesn't do anything ex except through man through their faith. So Ezekiel prophesies. And as he prophesies, there was a rumbling. There was a movement. And the bones came together, bone upon bone, knee upon knee. My toe bone was connected to my ankle bone. My ankle bone was connected. Yeah, that, that song. And all the bones got together, but then he prophesied again. And the wind came, and the flesh came, and the sinews came, and the ligaments came, the skin came. And there was a mighty army. It was, the, it was the house of Israel. It was God's children. It's a picture of the bride. It's a picture of the church, God's children. And he, God told him, prophesy again to the wind. And the wind came and the breath gave him life. And he's basically saying, as the children of Israel have no hope, and they say, we're gone and we're done. We're dusted, we're dead, and we're gone. God could revive. And I believe it's going to take faith for God to revive. Next Sunday is, is um, Pentecost Sunday because it's 50. The word Pentecost means 50. 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, Easter time. Last Thursday was the ascension, which is 10 days before that. Last Thursday. And I believe God is getting ready worldwide. There's churches and people and His bride praying and fasting like never before all around the world. I'd encourage us as a church to seek God, pray, fast. As the Lord leads you to fast and pray. Let's get before Him, position ourselves. Our fasting, our praying will never change God to do what He doesn't want to do. It changes our heart to receive what God always wanted to do. It changes our heart to have the faith to receive what He always wanted to do. Can't twist God with your fasting. It just positions our heart to have faith to believe that he's so good, he wants to pour out his mercy. He wants to pour out his grace. He wants to pour out his love. He wants to pour out the rain like we prayed for physical rain a few months ago and the fires were quenched. Well, let's pray for spiritual rain and the devastating fires of sin in this nation can be quenched because rain falls. You and I, when we pray, let's pray in faith, knowing like Elijah prayed for that rain and he only saw a fist of a, the size of a man's hand and that was enough when he just saw, he prayed seven times. Who knows how long he prayed? But he kept sending his servant, go out and look up in the horizon. Is there any clouds? No, sir. He come back. He prayed more. We don't know if it was an hour, two hours, three hours. He's praying and giving birth to an outpouring of rain and to break the drought that he prophesied. And so he prays again. Six, seven times he sent him. The seventh time he saw a fist of a man's hand. And he goes, that's it. And he got up knowing God's heard his prayer. Faith. So now, Psalms 23 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though we walk through this crisis, it doesn't matter what crisis you and I will face as a church, 
no matter if there's plagues that are going to be coming, if the, all the judgments that might come and all the things that will take place. Jesus already said that earthquakes, pestilence will happen in these last days. It's going to happen because Jesus said it would happen. So, so it doesn't matter what happens. Our eyes are fixed on the Lord. He's our shepherd. If we walk through the valley, we know we're going through. It's temporary. And then we get to sit down at the table and eat a feast in the presence of the enemy. We're not afraid of the enemy because we get to eat. He feasts. He gives us food. We eat. We relax. We enjoy a feast with the Lord at that table. If you look in, into his face, eyeball to eyeball, I ask you and I ask every one of us, throw ourselves at the mercy of God. You say, Leo, I don't know the reality of um, the Lord being my shepherd in my every area of my life. And actually, I need to surrender my life. Maybe you've listened to this and you, you're in that place that I never knew the Lord loved me that much. I never knew that the Lord cared for me like a father with his child, like a shepherd with the sheep. The Lord loves you dearly. And if you don't know Jesus' love, if you have never accepted the Lord as your Lord and Savior, if you never understood that God sent his son to die on the cross, to pay the penalty, to consume the judgment of God, so he can freely give you salvation, freely give you forgiveness, freely give you this gift of righteousness with a relationship with God. Today, when you accept Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. I want to I I pray this prayer. Those that need Jesus, could you repeat this prayer with me? It's a beautiful thing, most powerful thing you'll ever do. It's a simple thing. But it's basically saying, Lord God, I want to stop living my life my own way, following my selfishness on about face. 180 degree turn and say, God, I give you my heart. I surrender my heart. I surrender my life. I make you my Lord. I believe in the cross. What you did for me was to wash me clean. Forgive me of all of my sins. I turn away from my sin and I give you my heart. Pray that prayer. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin, for paying the penalty, taking my judgment so that I could be forgiven, so I could be washed, so I could be clean and be made pure, presented pure before you. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.